Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. The COVID-19 pandemic has left many of us wondering what the future holds. Well, the church in Moncton is sharing its history with a goal of bringing a glimmer of hope to those who are struggling through this current pandemic. In 1918, Moncton's First Baptist Church was transformed into a makeshift hospital to help take the load off hospitals during the Spanish flu. We're joined today by Reverend Richard Jackson. He's the senior pastor at Moncton's First Baptist Church. He'll share with us the history of Moncton's First Baptist Church, its connection to the Spanish flu, and what it's like to minister through the current COVID-19 pandemic. That's today on Connections. Today we're joined by Reverend Richard Jackson. He's the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Moncton, New Brunswick. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the world of ministry. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Well, um... I felt the call to the ministry uh, in my teen years and uh, ended up going to uh, Dalhousie University um, in Halifax for my undergrad. And uh, then I went to um, Acadia Divinity College in Nova Scotia and I got a a Master of Divinity and Master of Religious religious Education degrees there. And uh, while I was there, I had an opportunity to uh, spend a year in Chicago and I worked in... um, what was then the second lowest per capita income neighborhood in the United States. And uh, that was a a formative experience for me. And uh, when I finished up at Acadia, I went to uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and got a Ph.D. in uh, sociology and uh, met my wife there. She was getting a degree in um, church social work, and uh, we got married, and ended up going to a church just outside Philadelphia, and uh, had our two children there. And after about six years there, uh, we were approached by a church in Moncton, uh, and we started talking with them and felt called to go there, and uh, came in 2003, and I've been there ever since. So you've experienced a lot, and you've been to quite a few places already. Yes, it's been been quite quite interesting. my wife's experience too. She's uh, she's Mexican American from uh, Houston, Texas, and uh, so getting when I started dating her, I got immersed into the uh, the Mexican culture, which is so rich and so alive and so vibrant, and uh, it um, broadened me a lot. And of course, um, the community I was living in and working in in Chicago was. Uh, almost entirely African-American, so I, I had the opportunity to experience uh, African-American culture, which is also reach, rich and deep and full, and uh, uh, they were they were so welcoming to this little Canadian boy who arrived in their midst and uh, just accepted me into their, their church, into their community, into their lives, and uh, really uh, gave me life-changing memories at that time. And speaking of experiences, what is it like to minister and and be a senior pastor in the midst of a pandemic when there are so many changes to how we go about church? Well, it's in in, in some ways, it's that the first few weeks was quite overwhelming um, because we, I, I I at least was not expecting. Uh, worldwide pandemic like this to happen, and uh, we had to meet it very quickly and uh, decide what we were going to do very quickly. 
I'm very fortunate that I have a, a wonderful team working with me, and uh, we made decisions very quickly and on the fly, and uh, within a week we started live-streaming our services. Um, we're just getting ready to do our second online vacation Bible school uh, for children. We've been doing online Bible studies. Uh, we've been doing um, children's story times, and uh, we've been collecting food for um, uh, children, underprivileged children, who had been getting their meals through their schools and, uh, until the schools closed. And uh, so we've been just moving uh, very, very quickly, trying to to keep church going and church happening. And uh, it was very overwhelming for a few weeks, but we've settled into a little bit of a routine, and uh, we're a lot more comfortable with how things are going right now. How's the congregation feeling in the midst of all of this? Uh, they're doing well. We, we have an amazing congregation, and the, the very first thing we wanted to do uh, was to keep people in touch with one another. And we have a whole team of uh, callers who are checking in with each other uh, every, for some of them every week. And uh, they're letting us know if there's any pastoral needs or anything going on that, that we should be aware of. But there's, uh, there's phone calls happening all the time, um, by the hundreds a week. And, uh, and, of course, we're live-streaming our services, as I said. We're also, for those who aren't on the Internet, we're providing uh, DVDs of our worship services as well. So we're, we're really, um, in, in some ways, we're, we're almost closer now because the Church is being um, much more intentional about it. Um, I, I found it interesting looking, I've been reading a little bit on the history of the Church, and uh, the Church underwent a fire in uh, 1913, whole church burnt to the ground, and uh, they made a decision within two days to rebuild, which was a two-year project. And uh, the chair of the Board of Trustees in 1915, on the occasion of the uh, rededication of the, or the dedication of the church building, made the comment that as hard as the last couple of years had been without a building, he was amazed at the warmth of fellowship and the closeness that they had experienced as they were all working together towards a common goal. And he expressed the wish that now that they have a building, he hoped that that sense of unity and fellowship and closeness would not disappear but would continue on. And I have... uh, the same kind of feeling within me that I look forward to the day when we can worship together again. Uh, But when we do, I hope that the unity and fellowship that we're experiencing now um, will continue on. It's been wonderful to see. And you're feeling that not only in the church, but we're seeing it in the community. We're seeing it in families. We're, We're seeing families get out and enjoy the great outdoors together, which typically nowadays with technology taking over, you don't see anymore. Oh, it's it's been wonderful. My, uh, I have a, a son who uh, just turned uh, eighteen in April, and uh, you know he has uh, a lot of friends, and uh, he was feeling kind of sad that he wasn't going to be able to get together uh, with any of them. And uh, he had the fo- phone call came in, and he was told to uh, go outside, 
and there was a whole caravan of cars of his friends uh, driving by, and they pulled over and left gifts at the bottom of our driveway and waved at him and uh, gave him uh, hugs from uh, several feet away, and uh, then then drove off, and it, it meant so much to him, and uh, it was so so very encouraging for him, and those are the kinds of things that uh, that people are doing. We had another family in our church celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary, and uh, people in the church formed a little caravan and uh, had, uh, I don't know how many cars, many cars uh, driving by, beeping their horns, dropping off things for them. So... Uh, People are just being much more intentional, I'm finding, about uh, fellowship and reaching out to people at this time, and uh, it's been so encouraging. It reminds me of the good old days before cell phones and all of that technology arrived. Yes, yes, exactly. When people would sit on their their front decks and neighbors would pop over and uh, and they would chat. Yeah, it's uh, it's created a little bit of a... For, for, as long as you're not a frontline worker, a slower pace. And uh, Now, you mentioned the history of the church and, and the church burning down. Um, Moncton's First Baptist Church also has a history with the Spanish flu. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and how that church was transformed um, into a hospital during that time? Yes, the, uh, the Spanish flu epidemic of uh, our pandemic of 1918, it was a uh, uh, I was doing a little bit of reading on it, just a terrible tragedy. Fifty million people died across the world, which was 3% of the world's population died. And uh, the death rate was 25%. So so one in four people who caught the, the virus died of it. And back in 1918, the understanding of, of germs and, and virology was much more primitive than it is today. They, they kind of sensed that, that viruses spread from person to person, but they weren't quite sure how, and they thought it might be good to stay away from other people, but the understanding was quite rudimentary. Um, but in spite of that and the fear that it produced, um, the First Baptist Church, when they saw a need, they, they took a risk and they rose to the challenge. The, uh, the city hospital at the time, because of the pandemic, uh, was filled to overflowing. And they reached the point where they could not accept any more patients. They just had no more room. And uh, the church had this brand-new facility that had opened up in 1915, and they thought to themselves, hey, we've got room here. We can open up our doors. And there were three big rooms that they opened up, and they accepted uh, 25 patients. And uh, there was uh, a Dr. Henson West who was just on the verge of getting ready to go to India as a medical missionary, and he volunteered his services uh, to, to be the, uh, the head doctor for this little church hospital. There was another doctor who lived very near to the church who volunteered his time to the hospital. Uh, they advertised in the newspaper for nurses, and uh, uh, they had about 13 nurses um, and nurse aides apply. One young woman who applied had no nursing experience at all, uh, but she wanted to do something to help and support this little church hospital, 
And uh, she was working from 6 p.m. until midnight every night for as a telegraph operator with the Canadian National Railway. So she'd work from 6 to 12 at that. She'd go home and sleep for a few hours, and then she was working in the uh, church hospital uh, from about 7 a.m. until 4 p.m. And then she'd go back to the CNR, and uh, she did that for the entire time that the hospital uh, was open. So they had two doctors, uh, 13 nurses, and uh, 25 patients, and uh, they helped to carry the the overload. And uh, the comment was made by uh, the director of the Moncton Museum that there were very few uh, churches anywhere in North America that had such an important role in the time of a pandemic as did uh, First Baptist Church. So it was it was a story I thought my congregation needed to hear uh, to to encourage them and uh, to let them know that what we're going through, hard as it is, we've been there before, and we've not only survived, we've thrived, and we've reached out, and that uh, we've made a difference, and we can do it again. And the congregation just, uh, they seem to want to hear the story over and over again. And uh, it's been such an encouragement to them. And, and the the rooms that were transformed still exist, and and that building still exists. How amazing is it to be able to work out of there and to just kind of stand there and think this was a hospital at one point? Yes, I brought I brought one reporter in there last week who wanted to uh, to see the rooms, and she stood in the middle of the room and she looked around. She didn't say anything for a few moments, and then she said. It is such an amazing feeling to know that I'm standing in the middle of a room that housed these patients um, 100 years ago, and such important work was taking place. And uh, it was almost uh, an overwhelming feeling for her just to, to stand in the middle of history. And, uh, um, you know, a lot of our people have felt the same way. And why is it so important to continue to share this story, even once we move past uh, the COVID um, pandemic and move on? Why is it important to continue to share stories like this? Well, I, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head when you say even once we move beyond the pandemic, because in my training as a sociologist, um, I've been aware for some time now that the church was going to have to rethink how it does ministry and that the church is no longer at the center of the culture. The church no longer commands the the respect or the loyalty uh, that it once did. And the church in many ways has been pushed to the periphery of the culture and a lot of people view that as, as a terrible thing and a sad thing, and a lot of effort is going back, going into bringing the Church back to the very center of our culture. And I'm wondering if maybe it's not such a bad thing that we're on the periphery of the culture. I'm wondering if perhaps our influence and our impact can be even greater on the periphery of the culture than it was when we were at the very center. And I'm wondering if if perhaps God can accomplish what he wants to do 
um, in a little bit easier way with the Church operating on the fringes than when we were trying to be in the very center of power and of influence um, uh, within the culture. And so I see this as an opportunity to remind the Church that we don't have to be at the center of everything to have a powerful impact on the culture. This was just a, a church that saw a need, reached out, and uh, and saved lives, and and uh, witnessed for Christ um, without having to be at the very center of the culture. And I think that's an important lesson uh, for churches in North America today. And I've been hearing from a lot of um, pastors and people uh, in lead- leadership within ministry um, that say after this COVID-19 pandemic is over, there will be some significant changes when it comes to church and ministry. Well, yeah, I preached the message on that uh, to my own congregation. Um, I said that as, as terrible as, as this pandemic has been, um, I think God is not standing by passively in the midst of it, but he's, he's accomplishing his purposes in the midst of it. He wasn't, I told my congregation, he wasn't caught off guard by this, even though I was. He wasn't taken by surprise. He, he, uh, he knew this was coming, and he was ready for it. And consequently, um, the work that he is doing in the midst of it, um, I don't want us to just forget that when the pandemic is over and go back to the way things were. Um, going through something like that should change us. It should make us different. It should help us to reorganize uh, our priorities and our values. And uh, if if we go back to the way things were, um, I think we'll have missed the opportunity. It was Winston Churchill once said, don't ever let a good crisis go to waste. And for those who are still sitting there kind of confused, going, oh, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And while we're seeing we've been there, we've done that, and we can make it through, what would you say to those to those listeners and those people that are still confused about the situation? Well, we're, there's, there's so many levels that you can answer that question on. We're, we're, we're living in a fallen world, and, and bad things can bad things have happened, do happen, and will continue to happen. Um, the, the important thing to remember, though, is that there's, in the midst of every crisis, is opportunity. And if we can leverage this opportunity, my experience has been that in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the fear, uh, people are more open to the gospel. And so I see this as an opportunity for the Church to to reach out and uh, to speak into the the fear and the uncertainty that people are experiencing, and saying that in the midst of all this all this fear and and uh, worry, uh, there is a God who offers security, love, comfort, and uh, the assurance of a perfect future. And uh, that message seems to resonate with people now. So I would, I, people who are, who are scared and who are worried, um, that's completely understandable. I've had those, those feelings myself. But don't let that overwhelm the, the sense of opportunity that this is also presenting for us. 
For people who want to learn more about the history of uh, First Baptist Church in Moncton, how can they go about doing that? We have a little bit of information um, on our uh, website, firstmoncton.com. We also have a a book that we've published internally on the 150th anniversary of the Church. It was published by... uh, it was written by Emerson Carroll and Joyce Tingley, uh, two dear saints who have since passed on. And uh, we have another um, publication that was put out on the 100th anniversary of the new building, and uh, that was uh, put out by a, by a committee led by, by Ralph Taylor. So if people wanted to contact us and, and uh, get some of these resources, we could make it available to them. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.